Good morning. morning. Welcome once again. We're happy that you're here to be a part of our worship and join us in our our study. We are concluding this morning our study of the book of Daniel we've been engaged in for the past few months. And uh, I hope that you've found this uh, series of studies to be a blessing. It really has to me. And I know uh, in going through it, I've been uh, so impressed with Daniel himself. Uh, You know, Usually we think about Daniel, the lion's den. That's about as far as we go. There's so much more to Daniel than that. So much more to him. And by any estimation, Daniel led a remarkable life. You just think about it. As a young man, he lived through the destruction of his city and being taken captive to a foreign land. He lived through two world empires He served at the courts of several different kings. He acquired a lot of enemies. He did survive a den of lions. He spoke the truth to power when it could have cost him his life. And he saw visions from God that not only filled him uh, with wonder, they also filled him with fear and at times left him weak and ill. Now we come to the end of the book of Daniel, and and by the way, at the end of everything we know about him, this is it, the end of chapter 12 is the last that we hear about Daniel in scripture. And we come to the end of this book, and Daniel is told to do something at the end of this book that he probably didn't expect. Daniel is told to wait. That's it, just wait. He might have thought, we might have thought, that after all he had been through, that at the end of his life and toward the end of it, God would have had something spectacular for him. He would have had some assignment for him that nobody else in the world could possibly have done, but that wasn't the way it was. God just said to him, wait. Verses 5 to 13 of this last chapter are the end of his vision, starting back in chapter 10, of the heavenly beings who told him about things that were to come. But this last section is structured around two questions. Question number one is this. Uh, This is verse six. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? A lot of folks have asked that question down through history, haven't they? How long will it be till the end of these wonders? Well, uh, the text isn't entirely clear about who asked this question. If you look at the uh, Revised Standard Version, uh, it follows the Greek and Latin translations of the Old Testament, and it says Daniel asked that question. But the Hebrew text says, he said, referring to that one of those angelic beings who were on either side of the Tigris River as Daniel's having this vision. And so that's reflected in the NIV when it says, one of them said. The ESV plays it safe and simply says, someone said. I kind of like that. You know. Somebody said it. We don't know. Daniel, Angel, but somebody said it. But it's the question that's important. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And this is obviously an issue and a question that Daniel would have loved to have known the answer to. And he got a, he got a response. I don't know if we can really call it an answer or not. He got a response from the man clothed in linen, this other angelic being who was above the waters of the stream. So there's one of these angelic beings on one side of the river, another on the other side, and there's one who is above the river. 
And here's what he said. He said, a time and times and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Now, let's think about that expression a minute, a time and times and half a time. That's mentioned earlier in Daniel. If you go back to chapter 7 and verse 25, when he had the vision of the four beasts or four kingdoms, it was during the reign of that fourth beast or that fourth empire. Then he's told that the uh, saints of the Most High would be given into the hands of that fourth beast for a time and times and half a time. The only other place in the Bible that it occurs is Revelation 12 and verse 4 to indicate the time of the persecution of the church by the Roman Empire. That will last for a time and times and half a time, Revelation says. Now, that's kind of a vague notion of time, isn't it? A time and times and half a time. But it suggests two things. It suggests, first of all, a somewhat lengthy period and yet at the same time a limited period of time. It does have definite limits. And not surprisingly, Daniel says in verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. I heard what he said, but I didn't get it. The time and times and half a time. That brings up question number two. Daniel does ask this one, and here's his question. What shall be the outcome of these things? And I suspect that Daniel asked this second question because he didn't really get the response or the answer to the first one. So we ask for some clarification. What shall be the outcome of these things? And in verse 9, the answer is this. Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And then again in verse 13, he's told, go your way until the end. What does go your way mean? When Daniel asks about time, he's told, go your way. Go your way undoubtedly means something like this. Daniel, just go live your life. Go do what God has set before you. There's not anything more for you to do. You've served long and faithfully, and God's word has been spoken, and the future is set. The words are shut, and they are sealed. There's not anything else for you to do. You've been faithful in receiving these visions and in recording them. Now just go your way and live the life that God has set before you and let him take care of the rest. Now, he's also told some numbers that I don't think really helped him very much in understanding when everything was going to happen. He's taught, he hears about the 1,290 days from the time of the ending of the sacrifices in the temple until the abomination that makes desolate is set up. And then right after that, the angelic being says, blessed is he who reaches the 1,335 days. Are those the same number? Is that supposed to be the same period of time or, or what? It's really kind of confusing. And by the way, I think that's just the point. I really think that's the point. I think Daniel is told a time and times and half a time and 1,290 days and 1,335 days because he wasn't supposed to know God's timing. He wasn't supposed to know when these things were going to happen. And so the explanation is given to him sort of in riddles. And we're not supposed to know those kinds of things either. You know how we know that? Jesus said so. Because there are always people wanting to know, when's going to be the end of the world? When uh, is everything going to come to an end? And what did Jesus say about that? He said, of that day and that hour, no one knows. 
He says, the angels don't know. He said, I don't know. The Son of Man doesn't know. He said, only the Father in heaven knows that. So Daniel wasn't supposed to know the answer to that, and we're not supposed to know the answer to that. It's all in God's hands, and that's where we ought to leave it. Just leave it there with God. Go your way. But then Daniel is told something else, too, and something we need to hear. In verse 12, blessed is he who waits. Blessed is he who waits. I'd been thinking about this text all week long, and yesterday I was trying to buy some airline tickets on Delta's website. And every time I would try to complete the transaction, have you ever seen the little circle that comes up and it, it just goes on and on forever and ever. And, and I sit there and play with it with the mouse and I chase it and then I go the other way. You know. And then this little window would pop up and it would say, the, window, the uh, website is not responding. Do you want to close it or do you want to wait? And I must have seen that window, that button, 25 times that said wait. And I thought, I'm either on the right track with that sermon or God is punishing me. Wait. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. Most of us don't like to wait. What drives us crazy? Fast food lines, traffic signals that won't change soon enough, a slow internet, a website that doesn't come up when it should or work when it should. We don't like to wait. But did you know that in the Bible, waiting on God is a virtue. It's almost equivalent to faith itself. Waiting on God. Listen to these verses. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. This is written after the fall of Jerusalem. All right? After that terrible destruction. And the writer is lamenting. What he sees, the smoking ruins, the smoldering pile of rubble in front of him. And he's told this, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good to wait, he says. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who... Wait upon the Lord. Isn't this beautiful? Will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and never faint. Why? Because they wait on the Lord. Psalms 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. And that's not just talking about waiting because we can't do anything else, but sometimes we can't. It's talking about waiting because we trust in the promises that God has made. And so we wait for him. The destruction of Jerusalem had been predicted, but so had, was the restoration and the rebuilding. And so Lamentation says, it's good to wait. God's working out something here. It's good to wait for that. Isaiah is looking toward that time. And he says, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They have to wait for God to do what God's going to do. 
And as believers in Christ, we have a special reason for waiting, don't we? We have a special reason for waiting because we wait for the return of the one who died to save us. Have you ever thought about that when you were taking the Lord's Supper, as we just did a few minutes ago? That the one with whom we are communing now, whom we have never actually seen, will one day come for us. And we are waiting for him and for the eternal life that he brings. Hebrews 9 and verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Did you ever wait eagerly for something? We do that sometimes, don't we? We wait eagerly for the birth of a child. We wait eagerly for a special day or a special event. We're supposed to be waiting eagerly for the appearing of our Lord and Savior. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing in the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. And notice that this waiting isn't a time of idleness for us. It's not supposed to be. We're not just sitting back and waiting and doing nothing. We are waiting in hope. We are waiting as we do those good things that he has marked out for us to do. We are waiting, and while we are waiting, we are living self-controlled, upright, godly lives. That's how you and I are supposed to go our way. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Exactly what's said in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And I think as this heaven or this earth that we live on becomes more and more corrupted and the society in which we live becomes more and more corrupted, we wait ever more, don't we? Ever more longingly for that new heaven and new earth in which only righteousness dwells, nothing else. No wonder that heavenly messenger said to Daniel, blessed is he who waits. That's not a negative thing. That's not like a website that won't make the connection. That's a wonderful thing. That is an extended act of faith. Waiting on God is an extended act of faith. However long it takes, we're ready and we're willing to wait for the Lord. No wonder the heavenly messenger said, blessed is he who waits. Dr. Ed Harrell was a professor of history in Auburn University and a devout Christian. And not too many years before he passed away, Dr. Harrell wrote an article called Waiting. And here's part of it. All Christians understand that life is a wait. We know that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, but too often we forget that we are waiting, thinking rather that we are living. Near the end of his long life, the 17th century Puritan preacher, Increase Mather, 
received a letter from a friend asking if he was still in the land of the living. No, he replied. I am in the land of the dying. I am going to the land of the living. We wait. What was Daniel supposed to wait for? What are we waiting for? Two things. First of all, we've already mentioned it, God's timing. God's timing. When someone in Daniel 12 asked, how long till the end of these wonders, the angelic messenger swore by him who lives forever that it would be a time and times and half a time. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. And Daniel said, I heard, but I didn't understand. And we feel better because we don't either. Later in verse 10, he's told, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Now let me ask you a question. What is it that those who are wise will understand that the wicked won't? Daniel just said he didn't understand everything. So what is it specifically that the wicked don't understand that the wise do understand? I think it's simply this. The wise understand that they cannot know the timing of the end of all things, but that they are simply to be faithful to their God while they wait. We don't know about the timing. We're not supposed to know about the timing. We can't know about the timing. No matter how much effort or energy we were to expend on it, or imagination in some cases, we are not going to know the timing of the end. We are not going to know God's timetable. And that's okay. But we do know that we are supposed to be living faithfully in his service until that time. That's what the wise know that the unwise do not know. For now, we just need to go our way. Just like Daniel. Just go your way, living for him. It'll be over when it's over. You don't have to force it. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to do anything. Just go your way. Live the life that God has set before you. And be sure that you're living it faithfully in his service. And God will take care of the rest. And that brings us to the second thing Daniel was waiting for and we're waiting for, and that is rest. Rest and reward. Listen to the last verse of the book. Daniel receives a promise that must have sounded fantastic to him. You shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel wanted to know when is going to be the end of the days, and the angel said, don't worry about it. You're going to rest and then stand in your allotted place in the end of the days. And I just imagine that in Daniel's heart, there was a leap. As he thought, what a wonderful promise that is. After all he'd been through, the idea of being able to rest. Being able to rest. Now, we need to be clear about what isn't being said here. Rest, in Daniel 12, 13, isn't just about being dead. 
so that you don't have to struggle anymore. We talk about it that way sometimes. Somebody passes away, we say, they're, oh, they're in their eternal rest. Or we talk, call the uh, cemetery, you know, a haven of rest or rest lawn or something like that. Like, you know, all those people are dead, they're resting. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about just being dead. He's talking about resting in the sense of having freedom from anxiety and freedom from feeling that he has to make the effort to make everything happen. He doesn't. He just needs to go his way and let God take care of it. We need to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, the psalmist said. Psalms 37 and verse Seven. Rest is freedom from anxiety that we've got to make it happen. Freedom from the anxiety that somehow we've got to have control of life. We've got to have control of the world. It's one of the things that bugs me about all the, the stuff that you hear people talking about, you know, trying to control the climate. You're not going to control the climate. The climate is God's creation. You might do things that impact it, either negatively or positively, but you're not going to control it. No way you're going to control it. But we want to control the world, don't we? We want to make things go the way that we think they ought to go. And the angel said, rest. You shall rest and then stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll really give you a job. No. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Resting in this sense is a form of letting go of control. It is a form of relinquishing of self-assertion because we trust in God. I don't have to run the world because I know the God who is in control. Daniel has done and will continue to do his duty. The rest of it's up to God. And then at the end of the days, he will stand in his allotted place, the place that God has prepared for him. And that's really all he needs to know. And that's just what we're supposed to do, isn't it? Serve God in all the ways that he places before us, but then rest. Rest knowing that ultimately everything is up to him and he will not fail us and he will bless us so that we stand in our allotted place at the end of the days. But it all hinges on one question. Are we his people? Are we among the wise? Are we following him? Are we following his son? Are we eagerly waiting for his son? If you haven't begun that journey yet, begin it today by confessing your faith in Christ and being baptized into him. You don't have to baptize yourself Somebody baptizes you into him, and God puts his spirit within you and takes your sins away. You can rest in that. And then at the end of the days, after a lifetime of service, just like Daniel, there'll be that allotted place for you. What could be better? 
If that's your desire, come tell us. Let's stand and sing.